You guys probably know me from the worship team, but if we haven't met, my name is Tim. Um, thanks. And I'm one of the staff members here with Chi Alpha. Uh, a little about me. I am married to my incredible wife, Shana. Here's a picture. Thank you. Yeah. Is there a picture? We, we got, we've been married for three months, and it's been incredible. Um, yeah, just being around her makes me wiser, so I would also recommend you getting to know her, too, because you, too, can, can become wiser. Um, I am quite competitive. I love spike ball. I love badminton. I love music. I was actually a trumpet major. And I love chess, and I love any kind of strategy game. And I especially love trying new foods. Uh, this past weekend, I actually tried alligator for the first time. And it was boar bacon. And goat. We had goat, too. You're right. Yeah. Uh, I also love Jesus. I love reading his word, and I love apologetics, and I love deep theological discussions, especially late at night. Um, but we're going to continue our series talking about this question, what is worthy of anchoring our entire lives to? We've talked about anchoring ourselves in community, in truth, in Jesus, in discipleship, in our identity and purpose, and in mission. But today we'll be talking about a topic that I personally had a hard time growing in, and it's being anchored in worship. Uh, so tonight we're going to be talking about how we can be anchored in worshiping Jesus. But before we get to that, would you guys pray with me? Jesus, thank you that you are worthy. You're worthy to be worshipped. Lord, I pray that you'd be speaking through me today, and that these words would be your words and not my own. And I pray that we would be a people as Chi Alpha that worships you with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Amen. Okay, so the first question that we have to address is, what is worship? So we, we get this word worship from an old English word, uh, and it's, it's worth-ship. And it means attributing the utmost value to something in such a way that it changes your entire way of life. So it's worth-ship, attributing the utmost value to something in such a way that it changes your entire life. It's like giving extreme or supreme worth to something. And the word worship doesn't really mean a single act like singing. It's actually referring to a lifestyle. And I, I recognize that in our language, we, we generally use the word worship to mean singing. So I'll refer to that as musical worship. Um, but let's jump right in. Uh, Bible pastors, if you could come down um, and pass out some Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, um, this is our gift to you. You can just raise your hand and people will just come by and give you a Bible. Um, so yeah, let's take a look at Romans 12. Romans 12. Um, it's far right of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So you notice Paul's word choice here. He says living sacrifice. 
Well, what do you think he means by that? He's certainly not talking about someone physically sacrificing their life, right? Well, if that were the case, you wouldn't be a living sacrifice. You'd be a dead sacrifice. But um, what Paul is referring to is living for Jesus. So in, in other words, let your living display the worthiness of God. Let your living behavior show what you worship most, hopefully Jesus. And he says that this is your true and proper worship. And it's our intended purpose. It's our living. In 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20, Paul also writes, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Other translations say glorify God with your bodies. These words glory, glorify or honor or worship, they're all kind of synonyms. Um, so yeah, Paul is saying, honor God, glorify God, worship God with your bodies. And so Paul is telling us yet again to use our living bodies as a way to glorify God. He says every aspect of our lives, of our lives should bring glory to God. The very purpose for our bodies is to make Jesus famous. So have you guys ever thought of worship as a lifestyle? Well, let's look, let's look back at the definition of worship or worthship. It's attributing the utmost value to something in such a way that it changes your entire way of life. Well, what things do you worship? In each of our lives, I'm betting that there is something that we attribute too much value to. And it could be your hobby, it could be your grades, your phone, maybe it's your image, your relationship, your political views. Remember when Brandon shared about his freshman identity as a Seahawks fan? Um, Well, so the the thing that I used to hold above all else was music. And as a music major, I was sucked into this world where everything revolved around the music. Phrases like, it's all about the music, or... The definition of fun is playing the heck out of the music. We're extremely common. That was like what I heard all the time. And I soon, too, fell into worshiping the music. And I didn't even realize that music had become an idol in my life. It became something that I ascribed ultimate value to. I would come to Chi Alpha, and we would would sing. But for me, it wouldn't really be to glorify God. It would be to enjoy the music. It would be to find harmonies and show off to other people. It would be to think about ways that I would have improved the chord progression in a song. Not only did this distract me heavily from my main purpose of worshiping God, but it also consumed my entire life. I'll touch more on this a little bit later. But here's the truth of the matter. If we worship anything else but the living God, our lives will be distorted. If we worship anything else but the living God, our lives will be distorted. It's because we weren't actually meant to worship anything else. Um, yeah, our lives will actually be distorted to match the very thing that we attribute value to. So let me explain. If we worship education, we will give too much value to our grades. Our identity will be caught up in our grades. If we worship our political party, we will be swayed by our echo chamber of news sources. 
if we worship our phone, we'll spend an exuberant amount of time distracted on it. Pokemon Go. Anyone? Brandon, yeah. <laughs> if, we <laughs> if we worship our romantic relationship, we will look to our partner for salvation and not Jesus. But when we attribute the utmost value to God with our entire lives, we become more like him. When we are consistent at worshiping God, we change. Do you see how this works? Whatever we value most, whatever we worship, we become like. Worship changes us. And there's always going to be something. If we aren't worshiping God, we will worship something else. And even if we are worshiping God, there's always something that is also competing for our attention. Are you aware of the things in your life that distract you from worshiping God? Okay, let's flip over to John four, twenty-one through 24. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Um, yeah, this is Jesus speaking to a Samaritan woman. And he says... Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Okay, so clearly Jesus wants people who worship him in spirit and in truth. But what does that mean? Uh, well, let's look at the full context. Uh, as we see here, Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman. And Samaritans were known for worshiping their gods on Mount Gerizim, while Jews worshiped God on Mount Zion. And what Jesus is doing is he's pointing out to this woman that location of worship doesn't matter. There isn't one sacred place where God can be reached. Like there's not like a, a Verizon cell tower like just to God, like on this one location. He, like God is meant to be worshipped everywhere, every day, and all the time. Today, we tend to think of worship as singing at church, but did you know that worship doesn't just happen in Kyle on Tuesday nights or church on Sunday morning? Right? Isn't that, you guys didn't know that? Yeah. Yeah, true worship happens in lifestyle, in our everyday lives. So let me ask you, when was the last time that you worshiped God in your God times? This morning? Nice. <laughs> did you know that you can worship God on the way to class? Why not engage with the Lord instead of listening to music or praise or thank him instead of listening to that podcast? Did you know that you can worship God while actually in class or worship by making a friend for Jesus? Because worshiping extends to obeying him in our everyday lives. Worship extends to obeying Jesus in our everyday lives. And this is how we worship him daily. We obey him. So do you mind if I tell you a story? 
uh, I was preparing to go on an SBO trip, actually, to Canada, the same one that Braden went to, and I, was, I missed the first meeting. Um, and <laughs> we prepared by doing this thing that we call friending. And it's basically just talking to strangers, to random people, about faith and spirituality. And so I was partnered up with one of my teammates, and we met up in Holmes and ended up um, talking with one of the, the CW professors. Um, he looked very young. We, d- we didn't know he was a professor. <laughs> and I, uh, from this conversation, I, I knew that he wasn't a Christian. And so as an act of worship, I actually decided to take one of his classes so that I could image Jesus in his class. Uh, I would stay late after class to talk to him. I would do my homework. I would show up on time. I would participate in class. And I wouldn't have done this if I, if I didn't have the realization that worship comes down to obedience. Worship always comes down to obedience. And obedience comes down to imaging God with our entire lives. We image God with our entire lives. Have you guys ever thought of viewing your classes as a place to worship Jesus? How many teachers don't know Jesus? How many of them have a bad understanding of what a Christ follower is? Can you change that? Maybe. Uh, I tell this story not to brag, uh, but to demonstrate what can happen when you worship the Lord in your day-to-day. I mean, this is just a conversation that happened. Um, and it led to uh, like many conversations from there. I mean, imagine if we were conscious of who the Holy Spirit is leading us to talk to on the daily. What if we were to consistently ask him, what are you doing here, Lord? And how can I partner with you today? What would happen? So the past two weeks, we've been talking about mission. Uh, and Melissa had her cash money in the bank message two weeks ago about anchoring ourselves in living missionally. And then last week, we had our SPO night, which you guys should sign up for. Um, but missions is a great way for us to worship and obey Jesus. And do you know why we do missions? Well, in the famous words of John Piper, missions exists because worship doesn't. So the whole point of living missionally is so that others can know Christ and become worshipers. Worship doesn't happen across the world, which is why we must go to the world. When Jesus tells us to make disciples, he's really telling us to make worshipers of God. And when we disciple others, what we're doing is we're helping them understand and grow in their understanding of themselves as worshipers of Jesus. So all of this leads me to conclude with two points, both of which can be applied to worship as a lifestyle and worship as musical worship. So number one, worship is a choice, and it's not a feeling. Worship is a choice, it's not a feeling. All of us come to Chi Alpha with different spiritual or emotional conditions. Maybe you're feeling energized, Maybe you're feeling kind of neutral. Maybe you feel disheartened. But regardless of how we feel beforehand, we have an active choice to make. Actively making a choice looks like initiating. Looks like choosing to fully participate in worship and to keep choosing to focus and refocus on God. Do you see how this can apply to both musical worship and our everyday lives? How we can continue to refocus 
and re- continue to refocus on God throughout our, throughout our day. And in worship as a lifestyle, we choose to live for Jesus and what he stands for. We choose to center our days around Jesus because he isn't just a part of our lives. He should be at the center of our lives, the very throne of our lives. And as for musical worship, for myself, when I choose to worship, I also choose to lift my hands. And that's not because it's an emotional response. Like, I'm, feel, I'm like feeling the moment, right? That's kind of what we, we generally talk about or, or, or respond to. But really, it's an active choice to physically posture myself because I know that my heart posture is more likely to follow my physical posture. I acknowledge Jesus as king when I lift my hands. And I choose to lift my hands out of obedience rather than due to this feeling. And when I first started doing this practice of like raising my hands, it was really weird for me. It was super awkward um, because I grew up in a Presbyterian church where there was literally only one guy who'd raise his hands, um, which was obviously meant like he was the weirdo. Right, so for me, I had to let go of my pride when worshiping. I had to ask myself the question, am I willing to look foolish for Jesus? Actually, one of the Hebrew words for praise um, is halal, which means to look foolish for. That's where we get the word hallelujah. Yeah. And this is often, pride, pride is often one of the roadblocks that gets in the way of our worship. Another roadblock um, can be sin. Sin gets in the way of of our worship. I know that I've felt like I wasn't worthy to sing to God. I felt like my sin was literally blocking me from engaging with God. Well, don't use that as an excuse. Use this time or use the, the time of worship to confess to someone you trust with what, with what you've been going through. First John 1 John 1.9 tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we understand the fact that Jesus forgives us, our feelings will follow. Our worship time goes far beyond singing. So use that time to draw near to God in any way that you can. Singing just helps facilitate our entrance into God's presence. So number one, worship is a choice and not a feeling. But number two, worship is also a response. And we're responding to God's majesty, which is who he is, but we're also responding to his accomplishments, which is what he's done. This, this can be summed up in two words, adoration and thanksgiving. So when we respond in worship, we're responding to who he is. We adore God for who he is, and we thank him for what he's done, not only on the cross, but in our lives as well. So what is something that Jesus has done in your life recently? Have you reflected on what Jesus has done for you? What if you were to let that fuel your response in worship tonight? or every night, or every day? What if you were to let that fuel your response? Who God is and what he has done should compel us to respond with our lives. First John 4.19 tells us that we love because he first loved us. So worship is a response to God's love. And the Bible tells us that when we experience his love, we will be compelled to love others which includes telling others about Jesus and his love. 
And then as far as musical worship, when we respond singing, we don't just sing about God. We sing to him. It's like the difference between knowing about God intellectually versus knowing God personally. And this is something that I've had to grow a lot in, especially as a worship leader. And it wasn't until I started viewing musical worship as a means of expressing adoration and thanksgiving to God that I changed my mindset. It isn't a means of showing off, and it is a way for me to present my best to God, authentically. When we present our best to God, He is glorified. Although everyone's best looks and sounds different, that's okay, because what matters is your heart posture. Is it authentic? If it is authentic, God is praised. So I'll close by reading Psalm 95. And I want you guys to listen to the language written by the psalmist and how they respond to God. And worship team, you guys can come up. Psalm 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. So the psalmist thought that singing, shouting, thanking him, bowing down, and kneeling were proper responses to God. What do you think? We're going to move into some uh, worship time, but before we do that, um, I'm going to ask a couple of application questions. So number one, how are you doing at viewing your life as a means to worship Jesus? How are you doing at viewing your life as a means to worship Jesus? And number two, what is distracting you from worshiping Jesus in singing tonight or in your everyday life? What's distracting you from worshiping Jesus? And number three, do other people know you worship Jesus by how you act? Why or why not? And so tonight, um, as we're responding to these questions, journal them out. Um, I also would love for all of us to um, use this the next time in, in, of, of singing to spread out into the aisles um, and to, to try out some um, some physical postures. Um, and yeah, so there's going to be there's a slide um, and it'll show you. Um, there's a, there's a couple of things that I've written down. Um, I want you guys to try out some things that you haven't done before. Um, so I would like you guys to, tr- to choose one that is like comfortable or normal to you. I want you to choose one that's maybe one step outside of your comfort zone and choose one that's probably like two steps outside of your comfort zone. I want you guys to do those three things throughout this time um, or more if you want to do more. Um, yeah, I'd also encourage you to ask God to help you overcome any obstacles you have. So yeah, let's let's move into worship and continue journaling and writing out um, these responses to the application questions.